You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Or if this is your first time, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. I hope you enjoy the wild, weird ride that we're on. Let's see. What kind of announcements do I have beforehand? Not a ton going on at the moment, but I should probably go ahead and plug a couple things. One thing, I'm getting a lot more active on YouTube. I'm doing some more pedal demos. I'm trying to explore what other kinds of content to do on there for you folks. I've done a lot of stuff on IGTV over the years, and I've realized I should be applying some of those skills to YouTube. So I won't be doing the same exact things on both channels. Sometimes there will be a little bit of crossover, but for the most part, I'm going to try to keep them somewhat independent. I'll probably put the pedal demos out on both channels just because I have a lot more people on Instagram than I do on YouTube at the moment. But I'm trying to think of some YouTube independent content that might be of interest to everyone. So uh, some of that might be a different, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm exploring it. So if you want to come along on this weird journey with me, subscribe to me on YouTube. If you type in the Tone Mob, you'll find it. And you can hit that subscribe button and the bells and all that stuff. Should be an interesting experience. I'm not sure what the future is going to hold, but I'm going to keep it, uh, try to keep it interesting for everybody. So check that out. And, you know, if you like this podcast, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please go over to iTunes and hit the hit that review up. It's been a while since I've asked for that. Those reviews help a lot more than you might think. So please do that. Please, please, please do that. And last but not least, check out the Facebook group. If you're not in there already, we're in there nerding out, talking about all kinds of gear stuff, all kinds of food stuff. There was even a hat thread the other day. So, you know, it gets a little bit wild and weird in there. And if wild and weird is your thing and you want to do it with a bunch of people who are super chill, that is the place to go. So go in there and check it out. All right. My guest today is a man who a ton of you are probably already familiar with, but now we're here to get more familiar with him. He makes rad guitars, he plays in a cool band, and his name is Sacha Dunable. So here we go. Let's get right into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Sacha Dunable of Dunable Guitars and Intronaut. What's happening, man? What's going on, dude? You know, just been uh, looking forward to doing this for a while, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to get it back on on track and, you know. Yeah, I've been stuff. looking forward to it as well, Yeah. And that we can finally make it happen. Yes, yes. I've played quite a few of your guitars at this point, and, and I uh, I'm excited to talk to you about them because I don't I don't really know your story at all. So this will be an interesting one for me. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you? Start? I can't promise anything. <laughs> well, we'll make it interesting one way or another. Well, I'll I'll spice yeah. it up if I have to. Um, yeah. So why don't we start from square one? What's your your backstory? I don't know if the band came first or if the guitars came first or like when did you start playing and how did that lead to where you are today? Uh, yeah, I mean the band definitely came first. I mean, I've uh, I'm 38 years old. I've been playing in like metal and you know heavy bands since uh, I was in like high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the most relevant one being uh, Intronaut, which started in like 2004. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the band has like, I think we, we're about to put our sixth uh, album. Um, and, uh, you know, during the last 15 years or whatever, I've kind of like just done, a you know, all that album touring stuff. And, um, you know, through that, kind of uh you know crazy lifestyle and journey and whatnot um you know sometime in my you know probably a little over 10 years ago i just real it was super hard to basically like hold a job you know um in between touring um and making ends meet especially for someone like me who lives in los angeles right 
um, which is not a cheap city to live in. Um, and I think at some point I was like, just really looking for some kind of work, you know, or like career path that was, uh, complementary to being a, a band guy or whatever, you know, somebody who's sort of already immersed in that world. And, um, so I started hanging around with, um, a guitar tech or two, uh, you know, in, in the area and just learning, um, how to do some of that stuff, thinking that, you know, maybe I could get into that kind of work. I mean, I already kind of like was somewhat familiar with how electric guitars worked, um, you know, from being like on tour and things breaking and kind of just like opening it up and having to figure it out or at least trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and, uh, so I thought, you know, it could at least be a, a useful skill to have knowing how to, you know, set up and fix guitars and all that. Um, and then as time went on, you know, I thought it would be cool to be able to just make my own guitars. And, um, you know, around, I think 2009, I really immersed myself in that. I went to, I took this class at MI, this like guitar craft class. It's like a, a six month, um, you know, after like nighttime kind of deal or whatever. Right. And, um, from there really just jumped into it. You know, I like rented my friend's garage and just started getting tools together and just started building guitars. And this was, I think just about 10 years ago now, um, or maybe a little more. And, uh, you know, I kind of just, I, during, I guess I didn't just immediately only do that for work, um, full time. You know, I, I still was doing a lot of like repair work. I worked at, as, as the in-house tech at a guitar center for a few years. Um, you know, I went on tour with people as a guitar tech, you know, did a lot of like in studio work for producers and bands and stuff in LA. Um, but eventually I think, you know, we, I launched the Dunnable brand in, in 2014 and that I, shortly after that, this is just, um, this has been my job since then, I think. Very cool. So I guess that sort of sums it all up for you a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm I'm glad you brought up the guitar craft thing because I, I I did submit. I'm going back to an old thread when you were first supposed to come on the show. Um, mm. as, as an old thread in uh, my Facebook group where I told them you were coming on, and there was a couple questions, but one in particular that I really would like. To, I don't know. I don't know what this person is referring to. His name is Spencer Hyam, and he also went to the same. A class that you did, and he okay. he said, "Ask him about Lance." Ha ha. <laughs> uh, Lance is the head instructor there. Still a good friend of mine. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. Oh. <laughs> what else to say? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there was an inside joke between people at the, the way he he phrased it. I don't know. So that's a. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what he was hinting at there. Maybe. He has a, maybe he has another story that I don't, I'm not privy to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, everybody's got their own story, I suppose. I don't, I'm just not sure what, what his is, but, um, yeah, Lance is a great guy. Uh, taught me, you know, a whole bunch of stuff and still teaches me stuff now and again, when I have questions, I can still call him. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, what was that program like? Was it like, was it was it overwhelming? Was it like very in depth, or did you kind of take to it like a duck takes to water? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just remember going and being like, "Well, I'm," you know, I, I really took advantage of everything I possibly could while there. I mean, it wasn't cheap, you know, for me, especially at the time. And so, uh, I I was really into it, man. I really. Um, I don't know if any of the stuff necessarily came all that naturally to me, but it was all very interesting right from the get go. So I, I had a blast doing it. I thought it was, um, you know, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, you know, fun and like, you know, did it gave me basically the fundamentals of, you know, how these things work. And, um, I don't know. Uh, I think that, you know, just like anything, it's like you get out of it, what you put into it. And, you know, I, I still had to do a lot of work and learn a lot of stuff 
afterwards. Um, but I think it was definitely worth doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's just a different approach. Like a lot of guys that I talk to are kind of a hundred percent, well, maybe not self-taught, maybe they apprenticed under somebody, but there's not too many people I know that have actually went to school for this type of thing. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that that's available uh, to them as a, as a viable thing they, they could do out of high school or whenever they want to do it. And I think it's good to put that out there. Um, really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've met a lot of people who have gone to one of these few, you know, like a Roberto van or something like that. I mean, maybe there was a time when these things weren't really, um, I don't know when these programs all kind of started, but, uh, and you know you're right. Like there is some, there's still definitely some like apprenticeship type, you know, real world uh, work that I think is definitely necessary in order to be like an actual like, you know, real skilled professional. I mean, you're not gonna go, you know, part time for six months to some, you know, building in Hollywood, right. <laughs> and then like come out being like a master guitar tech or a master luthier, you know. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm still learning stuff, you know, more than a decade later and, um, still like expanding my skill set and stuff, you know, that they barely even touch on in these programs, I think. What is the most challenging thing that people might not realize about doing what you do? Uh, for me, the biggest challenge is like just running a business at this point. Um, which is something that doesn't come naturally to me. And it's a source of like a lot of stress. Um, but it's also, I guess like the, the point in a way right. <laughs> to like have your own, to not have a boss. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point I'm managing, you know, five full-time guys here aside from me and, um, you know, just having a small business that's kind of in this in between where you're doing a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of work, but you kind of still have to do a lot of it yourself. Um, you know, it's definitely more than a full-time gig. And, uh, I would definitely say that's harder than any aspect of the build process. I mean, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff every day. There's never a dull moment. Yeah, of course, for better or worse. Of course not. Yeah, you have to. When you're doing a small business, you have to pay attention at all times. It feels like otherwise something is going to slip through the cracks, and it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to deal with as the employer than the employee in a lot of ways. Well, it might not seem like that from the other side. It it definitely. I've talked to enough people at this point that it's. I, I can understand the challenges a lot better now than I used to. It's a, it's a, it's a weird world to thrust yourself into, especially this particular industry. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the only real industry I've ever, you know, done something like this in. So I don't really know, but yeah, it's just, I wouldn't even know where to start with just like the headaches on a daily basis that come with running a small business like that. Do you have any suggestions for somebody who might be thinking about getting started in in this business for you know, luthier or you know building pedals or whatever? Just what have you learned from your time as a business owner? Um, I mean, I've learned a lot, really. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing that's kept us like going and kind of in good standing with people is that we've just been sure been you know, uh, been conscious of trying to like do good business and not burn anybody and not burn any bridges and, um, you know, just keep things honest and, um, you know, just good old golden rule kind of stuff, you know? Right. Um, cause especially now, I mean, you see it, I know you've probably seen stuff like this, but where like, you know, wh one unhappy customer can turn into an internet storm for people. Um, and so, you know, for that reason, I mean, also I don't want to like wrong anybody just right. I guess, in general, but, um, you know, that's just, 
I think a secret to like, if you look at people who have been in that business or probably any business, uh, you know, especially one like this, it's such a tight knit kind of community online or in person or whatever. But, you know, all these people are pretty stand up individuals who, um, you know, are, there's not a lot of people out there saying bad things about them. And that's not a coincidence, you know? Right. Right. And it, it's strange um, how many, how you know, like I think everybody in, intends to do the right thing. I don't think anybody ever intends to not deliver a, a thing that is paid for, but it's actually sure. surprising how often it does happen. You know, I know a couple of guys who have been waiting on a particular person for like five years. And it's like, is it ever going to happen? You know, that's what it starts to feel like at some point. Is is it ever going to happen? You know, and so yeah, I I I, I don't fully understand that. Uh, you know, t- I feel like if you've got somebody's money, you know, you got to deliver. But it does. It just seems to happen more often than I would expect. And I, I'm not really sure what the cause of that is. I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't know. I don't always think it's a desire to to rob people. I think it's that people get in over their head and they don't know how to get out. I I think you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely probably exactly what happens there. And I've had some cases, you know, where I can tell someone is maybe not going to be happy or about, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I have like refunded people in the past where just to like make sure we're all good. You know what I mean? Or right. like given a little bit of a discount or just like flat out refunded people. If I can tell they're going to be a problem, you know, um, because sometimes the customers are not cool people <laughs> that does happen too. And, um, you know, I just don't have time for that. So, you know, I just, I'm trying to like, just, especially at this point, streamline things and make everybody's life easy and make sure everybody's happy one way or the other. Yeah. it It's kind of, yeah, that definitely is the other side of the coin. I actually, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not, but I, I got an email from somebody that I literally thought was spam. Like it was like just like all caps spelled all kinds of weird ways. And then it it mentioned somebody that had been on the podcast. And it's the only reason that like it really caught my eye. I was actually just about to delete it, but it was like a belligerent email looking for an amplifier. And I was like, I emailed him back. I was like, I was like, dude, I've never sold an amp in my life. At that point, I I hadn't. I have now sold one amplifier. But uh, at that point, I'd never sold anything. I was like, I didn't sell you an amp, man. I don't know what you're looking for. And he's like, I'm looking for so and so. I'm like, why are you emailing me? And he and he and he was like, because I'm doing an all out blitz. I can't get a hold of him. And I'm like, I mean, like. This person, wow. this person I, that they were referring to is very easy to get a hold of. I, I've never heard of anyone having a problem with that. Right. And uh, and so I, I I texted him and and was like, hey, I don't know, but you got a you got an angry man on your hand. And he's like, he's like, you know, the funny thing about that customer is like he's like a professor at a local university. Like he's wow. It was it's like sometimes the customers are a problem and they're not always the people you would expect. It's really bizarre. Really bizarre. It's just some professor. He's like a, he's like a Karen. Just like wants to speak to the manager. He, that's like where he goes to first. That's his first level of, of action. Yeah. That's good. It was amazing. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was a very confusing email. I don't know if I still have it or not, but it was, it was weird, man. It was weird. It really opens your eyes, doesn't it? That like to just how the world works. And there's just some people out there that, um, I think just have a harder time (laughs) for whatever reason. And then you get emails like that. It makes you, you, well, you know, Brian Wampler and I, we, we do the chasing tone podcast and sometimes we get into some interesting conversations on there that don't have anything to do with guitars. Um, and on the most recent one that we were talking about a, a blog post that Tim Ferriss did. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but he's a businessy type guy and he's done, he's done a lot of things, wrote books and whatever, but he did a blog post about fame. And one of the things, and he's not like a household name or anything, but he's, you know, pretty well recognized in certain circles. And he, he talked about how once you have an audience of like 
however many thousand people, he referenced like the fact that Rhode Island is only so big and their their homicide rate is, you know, X percent and that they have this percent. So it's like, so if you have like a few thousand people that you're reaching, like, you know, your customers, you know, that uh, follow you on Instagram or yeah. whatever, there's a certain yeah. percentage of them that are complete psychopaths. And there's just nothing. Yeah, you chances can do about are. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, yeah, we used to uh, joke about that. You know, when in the band world, you know, when we tour with like some bigger bands, and you're just like, dude, how is it that just the bigger your band is, the more just insane and annoying your fan base is? And that's no offense to any music fans or bands out there, but like, it's true. Like, probably because of what you say, just like statistically speaking those fanatics are uh just yeah i don't know i don't know what the word is it's <laughs> difficult it's, it's very <laughs> bizarre it's it's i think it's almost because they they put the band or the band members up on this pedestal to where they're not really even hardly human to them anymore and not in a low way but in like an above way like now they're not people anymore somehow it's yeah it's weird yeah man for sure. It's, it is weird. Music fans are a different kind of fan than like a gear, uh, nerd. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but I just having like two different sets of, um, like fan bases or whatever, so to speak mm -hmm. that I deal with on social media. Uh, <laughs> some music fans can, they, they get weirder for sure. Right. Than, uh, <laughs> And like pedal pedal geeks you know yeah yeah for sure which is hard to imagine but i know those pedal geeks are pretty weird let's be honest it's a very weird it's a weird yeah. thing no it almost reminds, as bad as guitar geeks almost as bad you know but yeah. we just collect more and hoard more and just i don't know <laughs> yeah. maybe it's just that music people are weird in general and i think that's probably a fairly accurate statement that's what draws. That is very accurate. Myself included. I'm probably the weirdest person I know. You know, all I do is music related stuff. So there you go. Well, exactly. You know, this, I got so obsessed with this stuff that I decided I needed to talk to people on the internet about it. So I guess that's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty weird, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. So tell me a little more about Intronaut. Like, I've gotten to listen to a few tracks and I, I really dig it, but maybe we can tell the listeners all about that because you got a tour coming up right is that is that my brain working correctly your brain is working correctly yeah uh the record yeah there's a new record coming out um on february 28th which is just around the corner uh on metal blade records and we're going on tour starting next friday february 21st um with a band called cult of luna from sweden and um and a singer named Emma Ruth Rundle. And uh, that goes through Canada and the US. And then we got some international like festival dates and stuff too, kind of sprinkled throughout the year. But yeah, the band, I don't know, I guess there's probably a lot of people out there who maybe are not familiar with the band, but it's like a prog metal kind of uh, band. But we've been around since, like I said, before 2004. So a whole bunch of stuff out there to listen to on Spotify or whatever. If you're so inclined, cool, cool. How did the new record is featuring all Dunnable, Dunnable guitars and amplifiers and some pedals and stuff too. So if you if you're looking for a taste of the the tone, you can check that thing out. But yeah, very rad. That's very cool. Very cool. How did the band start? Like, what was the genesis of of that in 2004? Uh bands started i mean i guess we're all you know we've all known each other at least the original members we all knew each other going back to like high school or even like middle school um you know we're all from la or at least we all the original four were um and so we've all played music together for you know since we started playing music basically um and you know you have like your high school bands and your whatever other bands, but then Intronaut was just the one that kind of like clicked and, uh, you know, got, got a, you know, put out a record and like started touring and stuff. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. We're just like a bunch of metal kids that ended up getting also into like 70s prog and uh, started a band based on those influences, you know? Very rad. Very rad. Yeah, I I always forget that you have amplifiers also until I get to Nam and I look at them and I'm like, those are just the coolest yeah. looking things ever. What? Yeah. What's the yeah. beats on those things? Well, we haven't like really... Um, like officially like quote unquote released them, you know, like in that we're not really putting much marketing time, uh, into it. But I basically have a friend, um, a guy named Mert, uh, who, um, approached me about developing an amp. And so we made three or four prototypes, um, of this head. That's like, uh, it's based on a twin circuit. Okay. Um, so it's, 85 watts, 6L6 power tubes. Um, and it's basically just like a one channel, like a pedal platform is the idea. Um, so the circuit is based on a twin, but we added a master volume. Um, so you, you can get a little bit of breakup. I mean, it really is all about having a ton of headroom um, where you can push it into like, you know, breakup, but like, you know, not even, I was going to say like a basement cranked all the way up, but even that is like more gain or like clipping than this amp does. Um, and then it has, uh, some interesting like mid range, um, tweakability in that it's got a, a three, three, three way switch that, um, basically boosts the EQ, um, going from, you know, sort of a, a where you're at basically with a twin, like that kind of like very little push on the EQ, mm -hmm. um, up to like a little bit more push. And then when it's maxed out, it kind of just like has this real beefy kind of like almost like a, a model T kind of like blown out kind of, um, everything, everything on the EQ at 10 kind of situation. Um, and then a mid contour knob, that shifts where the kind of inherent passive EQ scoop in the mids is happening. Okay. So you're kind of tweaking which, which section of your mid range is, uh, being cut out. So I like to turn it all basically one way, which cuts out a lot of the low mids and gives you that high mid kind of like snarl, um, which I think works great with like a guitar distortion pedal. I use like a Friedman BE OD pedal in front of it, which is just, you know, just makes it like instant. Um, I mean, it just sounds like a Friedman, like a hot rotted Marshall basically. Right. right. And then, um, and then the app also has an effects loop. So you can have some pedals going in front, some in the loop. Um, so yeah, it's just got a lot of like routing options and just kind of like gain staging tweakability to it that I think is cool. I don't know if it's worth putting more time into like trying to sell them to people because I don't know if like the market is really asking for a new like loud, heavy guitar amplifier, <laughs> you know, there's like a lot of options out there already for it, but you know, in terms of it being like a vanity project, I thought it was like cool to do. And, you know, just having like my perfect amp that I've always wanted, I thought it was cool. Um, so yeah, that's the story with, with that amp, the ultra mega. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, all I knew about it was that it was like, I just loved the aesthetics on it. I didn't know any of the specs. So thanks for giving me the, the rundown. Right on. And yeah, I, we try to keep it consistent with like the pedal graphics and art and stuff too. Let's talk about the pedals. I know you did one with a friend of the show, uh, Mr. Scott uh, DeBockler. I think I said his name right. He's Scotty D. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I hope he doesn't punch me for butchering his last name. But yes, uh, I know you did one with him, and I think you've done some with some other people, maybe. I can't remember. You tell me what you've done. Yeah. Yeah, well, we collabed with Scott on a pedal called the Complete Distorter, which is like... Um, Again, that kind of like British tone stack, you know, kind of a high gain distortion pedal, um, but with a little bit more of like a just gnarlier clip to it. 
um, it was sort of based on Scott's pedal, the iron giant. We just sort of like added a little bit more, um, just like just saturation to it, I think. Okay. Um, but the same basic controls as that pedal. Um, and yeah, and then we did, uh, our first pedal was, um, it was called the splatter blaster and we, um, collaborated with Jeff, uh, Jeff Davis, who does damnation audio. Are you familiar with him? He does a lot of bass pedals. I'm not actually, I think I've heard the name, but I don't, I don't know him. They make a great bass drive pedal called the MBD and they just released the MBD too. But, um, yeah, Jeff is like also a real pro, um, you know, builds most of these things out of his basement with his wife. And, um, we did a stereo fuzz basically. It's like two parallel distortion circuit or one's based on a super fuzz. The other one based on a, on an HM2. Um, and you can run them in mono in parallel and blend them, uh, a variety of different ways or like add in a clean blend, uh, or you can run them stereo, which is really, um, a real mind melting kind of experience. I think where you're basically sending the HM2 to one amp and the super fuzz to another, that or you like could fun. also use it to like, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's incredible. Um, and then you could also, like I said, you know, turn one of the channels off and it becomes a clean signal that you can blend in um, however you want, which is great for bass. Uh, but for guitar, I think it's really, um, it's really a cool pedal. So we did that. And then our most recent pedal release is called the Eidolon. And this was um, an idea that a guy named Dave Davidson, who's the guitar player and main guy in a band called Revocation, a real good guitar player. Um, he had this idea for a pedal that was, that combined a clean boost, uh, like a hall reverb and a digital delay, like a darker kind of digital delay. Um, and you put the idea is that you put that in your effects loop or out front of the amp, but, um, he, he'll use it like with a, uh, not a 5150. What's the EVH head, like a, uh. a high gain, uh, the is it the 5153? I don't... Those something? things get me so confused because I'm like, 6505, oh wait, that's the PV version. I, yeah. I, I can't re ever remember. This is not the first time anyway, I've had whatever, this conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like whatever the modern 5150 is, um, but he, uh, he'll put it in the loop of that so that basically when he has a solo, you know, he's just one click he's turning he's he's getting more volume and just some wetness some atmosphere on the leads which is a solution for something you know that it, i mean i don't think there's any other pedal out there that does that um at least all three of those things in one at least not with those sounds too so um basically the idea of it having it in the loop is that it doesn't change your guitar's tone you're still getting that same tone from your preamp you're just boosting the volume of it and like i said adding a reverb and delay a little bit um and it's got a tap tempo on it and that one we collabed with john snyder from electronic audio experiments uh if you know i don't know if you know him oh but, yeah he's um, been on the show before good guy oh yeah he's he's a gangster he should yeah i'm glad that he's part of the the tone He's in your mob. He's your tone mob. He's in the mob. He's definitely a part of yeah. the part of the mob. He's he's the a good tone dude. mafia. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's the best, and um, he was a pleasure to work with. Um, just because he, we had so many revisions on this thing, it took us almost two years to, uh, or it was probably a year and a half of like prototyping before Dave had the pedal that he was looking for, and. Um, Anyway, that that's our only one that's currently in production, um, but we've been real busy with it, and uh, I think it's you know I think it's a real important pedal that a lot of lead guitar players you know would find use for. Yeah, especially people who like. In, it seems to be a little bit more common in the metal world to use a high gain amp with an effects loop rather than in some of the other genres, which 
do kind of more like what you do and get a lot of a lot of your dirt from your pedals. And I kind of I kind of do both. I have I have a Benson Vincent, which is not super high gain, but the way that that amp is designed, it's it's basically two amps. And so I found mm-hmm. myself plugging into the effects loop a lot more than I ever ever had in the past. And you can really get some. It's just a different experience. It's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't done it before, but it's just. I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Well, totally. It's just like a cleaner way. In this case, it's a cleaner way to like hear these leads. You know, I mean, if you put a boost and reverb and delay before the preamp on a high gain amp, like it kind of gets a little bit muddy. Um, but I guess if you're using a fuzz pedal or something in front of a clean amp, yeah, you could put it after the dirt pedals or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's just about the sound you're going for. And, you know, with metal and shreddy guitar playing, um, you know, this is sort of like the preferred sound. I think that almost just about anybody would agree on, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Especially in that genre. Cause it, it just, you're, you're start blurring the lines and covering up some of what you're trying to show people if you do it the other way. And that's exactly just is what it is. That said, I mean, I do yeah. like running reverb into fuzz sometimes, but that's just for blown out nastiness that I just make a big wall of garbage with. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're like, yeah, if you're thirsting more, you're probably not worried too much about effects loops, you know, unless it's for like a specific effect that you're going for. But you know, if you're, yeah, I, I'm the same way as you, you know, I, I go both ways. I, I like, like you said, blurry, noisy, you know, ambience sometimes, but, um, but sometimes you need that precise kind of uh you know perfect sort of sound so going back to the guitars a little bit where do you get inspiration for your shapes and your designs because i really like all of them a lot so (laughs) i'm curious where that comes from thanks uh well some of it i think is probably fairly obvious. I mean, um, some of it, you know, I'm a fan of American solid body set neck electric guitars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of our shapes are based on, um, you know, things that do exist already and, uh, you know, just sort of refining them into a way that I think is unique and, um, maybe a little, just more like practical in terms of like ergonomics and balance um, you know, which all contribute to the playability of the guitar and look and the looks of it. Um, I mean, our, uh, the oldest model we have in the lineup now is the Yeti, which I'll tell you straight up. I, I just traced a jazz master and, um, modified the horns on, I mean, and then, you know, added contours and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm definitely not trying to reinvent the electric guitar. It's more about uh, just like making the guitar I want to see and hold and play, you know, and um, kind of just ta- borrowing elements of things that already exist and just kind of refining them into a unique design. Yeah, the Yeti is um, probably my favorite. But I also really like jazz cool. masters, so that makes sense. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, it's you know, to me, it's a little bit more of like an ACDC uh, appropriate uh, jazz master. You know what I mean? It's just sort of a little more, just a little more heavy music. Um, you know, suited for that kind of playing, I guess. Yeah. You know, than a jazz master, which is a great guitar, but the pickups are not great for heavy music typically um you know the bridges are not really good for any music (laughs) which which is why they invented the mastery bridge um and you know it's a and those are bolt-on necks you know i that's the other thing with our guitars i i chose 25 and a half inch scale as the as the scale length because i didn't really there wasn't really somewhere i could find that you know in a set neck guitar you know and when you're tuning low a little bit lower or you want more string tension which is something i've always liked um you know like a 24 and uh 9 16ths or whatever scale length 
doesn't really sound good in a lot of ways. It's it's very comfortable to play, but I don't think it sounds all that great um, in a tuning lower than like maybe D standard or something. Um, so yeah, those are you know that's another big element of the design that um, I think kind of sets us apart a bit. Speaking of scale length, maybe you, maybe you can answer this question. I've been trying to figure this out because it doesn't make any sense to my feeble brain. So I I have a Les Paul Junior that that was my grandpa's, and I recently did the have done the Mike Ness trick with it, where you tune it down to D standard, and then you know I like it in D standard, obviously, but then like you capo it up back to um, back to standard. And it's okay. it sounds different. I didn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, he's crazy!" And he said he learned it from like Neil Young's guitar tech or something. And I was like, "It does sound different." And I can't figure out why. Like, I was actually kind of skeptical when I tried it, and then I I I was like, kind of blown <laughs> away. Do does that make any sense to you, or is that just some weird gear nerd voodoo that is just in my head? <laughs> um. Wait. So. Here's a question for you, because my brain also is not, um, it doesn't work good. <laughs> um, so if you're capoing at the second fret, where is your octave note? Is it the 14th fret? Uh, oh boy, numbers. Uh, yes. It should, no, yes, yes. It should be at the 14th. So, I don't know, man. I mean, does that make the guitar scale length shorter then? Yes. Is that what's happening? That's, that's what I was thinking. I mean, because, yeah, because then you're capoing it, it. It decreases the overall scale length of it. So does that make the intonation all wonky then? Oh, it's I always it wonky because it's a wraparound bridge, but... <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Okay, so we're not... Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. forgot we were talking about Mike Ness and Neil Young where... Tuning is not really a concern anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just good for cowboy chords at that point, which is... Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're talking about why that sounds different? I don't know. Yeah, it's probably just because it's a different scale length, just the I guess. Scaling? Yeah. It's the only thing I, I guess. can live with. It's just weird to me. <laughs> That's weird to me, too. No, no, no. I, you're asking the wrong person if you want like any like science to come out of my mouth right now. It's not, I want the, you gotta ask somebody else. I want the science. I actually, I had somebody <laughs> message me and they were going to, cause I've asked this question before and they were going to explain it to me with math. And I was like, ah, Oh boy, math is not my strong suit, but I'm waiting for that message still. So we'll see. Yeah. We will see what, what the math person says. Yeah. Shoot me that cool. message, Mitch, Mitch, if you're listening to this right now. Yeah. I want to know. Math guy. <laughs> Math guy. Nerd. <laughs> He's been trying to, I've, I've expressed my uh, distinct lack of theory knowledge m multiple times because I'm just a stupid punk who plays with a bunch of pedals. And uh, uh -huh. he's been messaging me on Instagram and, and giving me giving me some tips and tricks and hurting my brain. So <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Nice. Right on. So I know you have been involved in the metal scene for a long time, and that's obviously you're obviously a fan of that music. What what bands are you listening to most of the time? Ugh. Uh, I don't know. I have to like look at my Spotify right now. What am I listening to? I don't know. I don't only listen to metal. I mean, well, sure. I'm almost forty. Like you know, <laughs> I, I got, I've mixed it up a bit over the years. Um, I mean, looking at my recent plays on Spotify, it's not very metal. Uh, it's like Kurt Vile and, um, have you heard White Reaper? No, I haven't. Well, you are, you're, you should definitely check them out. It's like the best, like rock, um, record I've heard in a long time. Just oh. like power, power rock, like Thin Lizzy meets like the cars, you know, kind of just, it's a really incredible record. They have a couple records I really like. And then, uh, also a band called dead congregation, just to change it up a little bit. That's a little, that's not very catchy at all. It's, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I got all kinds of stuff here. Borin and Dirk Love of Gore. It's not very metal. It's um, not? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know who that is. It sounds pretty metal, though. <laughs> it's heavy, but it's not metal. It's like the slowest jazz. Oh, um, I could get, into, I could get like, into that. It's actually some of my favorite music. Um, I, I probably listen to this one album like once a day for like the last three or four years. I'll have to check some of that out. Thank yeah. you for the suggestions. Sure. So what does a day in the shop look like for you typically, or is there a typical? Um, you mean for me personally, like what do I do? Yeah. Beginning to end. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll usually get in and just read through a bunch of emails and, uh, half of them make me want to throw my computer through a wall. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then I'll reply to all the emails that I can get to, but usually I can't get to most of them. Um, and then I will go into the back and, uh, start painting. I mean, I, pretty much the only part of the production process that I am doing lately has been paint. Um, just, that's just become my role in, in the chain. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'll spend, you know, that's probably like a few, three, four hours a day doing that. Um, just kind of, you know, answering everybody's questions, problem solving, you know, for all departments and whatnot. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. At a certain, I don't know. There's no real like routine. I mean, it's all just sort of that balancing all those duties um, for about 12 hours a day until I, my brain just can't take it anymore. <laughs> I, I have to leave. I have to leave. Yeah. Must go. Yeah. yeah. How, well, I was meaning to ask you this earlier and do you find it difficult to balance the, the band with this job or is it a little bit easier because you have control of, of things or control of what you're, what you do? Um, no, it's like, I mean, both are pretty, I mean, currently both are very demanding of my time. Um, but I mean, the band hasn't really been like a full-time deal in a few years, really like in 2017, like, or 2016, maybe even I, I just had to like sort of make a decision, you know, like that, uh, I, I couldn't be like full-time band guy really. So we haven't even done anything in almost three or four years like as far as playing shows or putting out records. Um, and then this year it's, there's not going to be a whole lot of touring. Like we're doing this tour, but it's going to be a lot of like flying somewhere for a weekend. Um, and then, you know, maybe some shorter runs here and there, but I, I can't really leave for that long. Right. You know? <laughs> um, the, so there has to be like a, yeah, I mean, it would probably be fine, but like I said, you know, we have customers waiting for stuff. Like, I can't just be like, sorry, everybody who's giving me money, like, I'm just going to go, you know, fly to Europe not be for, here three, for six months. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> With your money. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, do, I don't want to anyway. I mean, I've been kind of burnt out on like long touring and stuff for a bit anyway, so it's not a problem. And I think that's, you know, sort of a necessary thing to just like being happy also is kind of like having a nice little balance of everything where I, you know, while I'm at work and going crazy, I can at least be like, Oh, at least I get to go out of town for, you know, two and a half weeks. Right. Um, and just like maybe not only be thinking about this stuff all day. Um, and then also, you know, by doing that, um, you know, I don't, go crazy. The band doesn't want to kill each other. You know, it's that all that kind of stuff remains fun. Yeah. So, you know, and all, you know, yeah, basically, and still having some time for like a social life, you know, outside of both, um, you know, just trying to keep, keep our mental health in check and all that. Um, yeah, I know, should is, try that. Sometime. Is important. And we're, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I think for like, you know, for a long time, it's like, or for some amount of time, it's okay to like really go hard. But like, you gotta, I've noticed that like, it really is helpful to like actually take some days off. You know, this, like in the last year, I finally started taking at least one day off every weekend. Whereas I used to just work seven days a week all day. And that, um, that'll burn you out after a while. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I can attest to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it gets rough after, after, even if you really enjoy it, it's like, you still kind of need to like do non, yeah. non work stuff. And it, it's hard for me sometimes because I, worked so hard to get to a point where I could be in this industry full time. And yeah. I still really, really enjoy all this stuff, but I, I definitely like, I don't listen to as many or watch as much like gear stuff as I used to for enjoyment. I do it now. Cause like I have to, and I still enjoy it. Yeah. But like I, uh, the days of me like pulling up YouTube demos for like pure fun, are, are kind of behind me, I think. I'll, I'll, there, there's always an element of work to it at this point. And I'm not complaining because yeah. I, I, I really tried hard to get to this point. But now I'm like, I'm like okay, I'm going to go read some comic books. Like that's what <laughs> that's what I want to do. Something totally yeah. not related to to work at all because it's uh, this is what, yeah. what we do now, which is wonderful. And thank you to everybody that's listening to this right now. I probably sound like a whiny little man, but that I don't mean to be. <laughs> Do you work in music outside of this podcast? Yeah, I uh, I do um, marketing and social media for a, a handful of different oh. gear companies. So, yes, I'm very much involved yeah. in. Not, I don't work so much in the oh, so you're, yeah. music music industry. It's definitely the gear side of things, but it's still some. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So right, so you got yeah. I no, I feel you, man. Like I have, you just have to like turn the social media off after a while like you're just like oh i've answered the same question about this <laughs> pedal or whatever hundred times like do you you know you want to just like write some like mean comment back to him but well i'll have to send that's this when you realize you got to take a break i'll have to send this to you that so you can forward it to people who ask for free stuff uh i wrote a blog article about this a few years ago after like i think doug cower was the one that finally like really like he he had a story for me that really pushed me to the edge and I wrote a blog article on my website at, that is basically like, if you have to ask, the answer is probably no. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And I know some people have been forwarded to that blog article and it's not the nicest thing I've ever done. I try to be like Mr. Right. Mr. Positive most of the time, but I just, I reached my breaking point with that stuff because I, I see a lot of that too yeah. in the DMs and all that. And I'm just like, ugh. Not on mine so much, but on the other accounts that I manage, it's like, oh man, this is just. Sometimes it's just gross. It's like, like no man, like you're, <laughs> you're going about this the wrong way. Like, I don't know. I, I won't, I'll stop complaining. <laughs> I've just been complaining for the last no. five minutes. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I feel you, man. I'm with you, hundred percent. So we're getting into sort of the last stretch, and I have some some classic questions I like to ask people. The first one okay. being, what is your favorite boss pedal? Ooh. Um, yeah, wow. That I don't know. I am a fan of boss, I will say that. I mean, probably... Is it the HM2? You know, I mean, that might be it. Um, it defined a whole genre. You know, yeah, and it's so unique, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some cool, like, weird, obscure ones, too, like those, like, the feedbacker distorter, distortion or whatever, mm -hmm. like, where you hold it down and it would, like, it was sort of like the original, like, freeze pedal kind of. Um, I remember it, but I've never but, played. I don't know. Yeah, there's weird. There's a distortion and feedbacker pedal, and then there was the feedbacker distortion pedal. <laughs> I don't know. I have, I had, God, I had this book um, that was like 
it was like a coffee table book of like the history of boss pedals and it was so cool oh, and man. i think i just lost lost it in a move a few years ago um but yeah they put out a lot of good stuff i don't know yeah i'm gonna go hm2 just off the top of my head although the one boss pedal on my board is i have the waza craft tuner <laughs> <laughs> if if you i don't know if anybody can get if anybody can top that in terms of like dad pedal board but um yeah i had to do it Man, <laughs> had to not? do it to him <laughs> I had to do it to him yeah you know i had to do it to him <laughs> all right and then before the final question i almost forgot to let you put up a billboard so you can say whatever you want right now if you got a message you want to get to people if you want to direct people to your website or you just been, have something you've been wanting to get off your chest this is your opportunity Um, yeah, here's my rant about, no, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have, check out Intronaut, check out Dunnable Guitars and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's about it. All that's right. my billboard. That works. That works. Yeah. All right. So the last question of the podcast, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Ooh. Um, Okay, so first of all, it's going to be like, um, you know, one of those like brick oven kind of, you know, like, what is that? Like a wood fired pizza mm -hmm. that's sort of a fancy pizza. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I like a classic margarita pizza. Um, however, there are quite a few delicious variations of the like, spicy honey uh sausage and like ricotta kind of pizza uh-huh out there right now like if you go to these kind of places and um i mean if i was like on death row that's probably what my final meal would be i think Ooh. my request would be at least hopefully there's a good pizza place near that prison is there a good pizza place near you uh, I mean, I'm in LA. There's good pizza. Like, I mean, you just wad up a, a, a bag of trash. You could hit a good pizza <laughs> spot in most neighborhoods, you know? Um, in, so I just moved, so I don't really know my new area quite as well, but, um, there was a place that has the perfect version of what I'm talking about in, in Encino, uh, and it was just some whatever, some like basic, you know, yuppie bar called On the 30, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And they had one of those pizzas that, that's the one, man. That sounds delicious. That's what I, sounds absolutely yeah, delicious. It's very delicious. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank, thanks so much for coming on. It was a really uh, fun time talking to you. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you at NAM and do this again maybe sometime. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks again for having me, having me back for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> we we did it. It's been a, it was a success this time. There was no yeah no problems. All right, everybody. Uh, for Sacha, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Because my brain also is not. Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. All right. That was a fun episode, if I do say so myself. Make sure you check out everything at DunnableGuitars.com because they're beautiful and I love them and I would like to own one one day. Hopefully that can happen. Maybe something baritone. Baritone Yeti. Ooh, that would be, ooh, that would be great. But anyway, let's wrap this show up with a, just a little note, just a reminder to be good to each other. We're getting ready to go into a very uncomfortable political year. And remember, we're all in this together. It's an easy thing to forget when those at the top are trying to divide us and smash us all. But I've met too many really strong, really cool people through this podcast and talked to a bunch of listeners that are super rad. I know that most people at the end of the day are super cool and all just trying to do the same thing and live a good life. So let's be chill. Let's be as chill as possible. I know it's difficult, but I think we can do it.
All right, everybody. Have a good week. Be kind to each other, and I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.